Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, you're about to listen to this week's episode of Sofa Cinema Club. Just before we get started, this is your reminder to go and follow or subscribe to us wherever you are listening to this podcast. All the support is greatly appreciated. Now, it's time to enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Sofa Cinema Club. I'm Colson Smith and as always I'm joined by Jack P. Shepherd, Ben Valentine. The Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together to educate each other on films. Now it is all about the films we should have seen, but we haven't. Each week we set a film for the others to watch, then we come into the studio and we talk about what we loved, hated and rated about the film. Now the beauty of our film club is that anyone can join in. All you have to do is watch along at home and then join us every Thursday to find out what we thought of the film. This week's film has been chosen by Mr. Ben Price and it is Licorice Pizza. Not a classic, no. No, not a classic. Ooh, apparently not. I think I think we can see where Colson's rating's going already, can't we? <laughs> Before we get into talking all things Licorice Pizza, as always... How's your week been? What have you been up to? But before we get into that, boys, people are going to be listening to this on the way to Manchester. On the way, yeah. Is it tonight? Tonight. We're on stage tonight. Oh, so they might be listening to the show driving here. Okay, yeah. Or driving home afterwards. It's I, need shit. I need more. I need more. <laughs> I want more. I need more. Get it on. Let's start from episode one. <laughs> what is our final word for the people who are joining us tonight, then? Hold on tight. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride. Brace yourself. You brace yourself. If they're at home now, Ben, listening to this, before they set off for the show, what do they need to bring? What are the key things that you've got to bring? Lots of drink. <laughs> <laughs> the more you drink, the better we get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> bring your phone. You actually might need that. You do need your phone. Funnily enough. Bring a sense of fun. Bring your sense of humour. Yeah, I was going to say that yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're going to need it because at times it might be ropey. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the great thing is you're going to get what you always get from us. You're not going to get any surprises. It's going to be a bang on show of what we do and have been doing for the last four years with some obviously added stuff in. We've just been having a chat before we came into the studio to record about quite what what is going to be on offer tonight, what the show is going to involve. Jack, how, how are you feeling ahead of it? Well, I suppose there's a few surprises from all of us, isn't there? So you've got a couple of surprises up your sleeve for me and Ben, and Ben's the same for us. And, and I've got a couple of things that I've planned that you two are not aware of. So, uh, Ooh. yeah, there's going to be, um, it's going to be uh, interesting for all of us, even us three on stage, really. Yeah. I can't wait to have the entire, f- all 500 people at the Lowry singing, Conrad Gates, 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 Conrad Gates, <laughs> Gates, Gates, when Ben's do, we're breaking the world record of keepy uppies on stage. <laughs> That's the surprise. <laughs> Everyone thought I couldn't play football, but he can. Ben, are you ready? I was just thinking, actually, am I ready? In one way, we're very ready. Because we've been preparing this for a long time by doing this show. We know what works and what Mm. doesn't work and what the audience like. In another way, it's a very, very big step up. It's a big theatre. There's like nearly 500 people there. 
it's a big move for us. So what's so strange is we do this on Zoom, we do it in the studio. We don't get a real feeling, do we, of how many people listen, how many tens of thousands of people listen. You suddenly go to a theatre and then you realise what sections people like, the stories we've told, you get that feedback. It's normally just a number that we see on like the analytics of the show, whereas yeah. the beauty of the live show is you get to meet some of the people, some of the names from Patreon, some of the people who get in touch with us on social media about the show, and you kind of see them. And that, that that's a bit that's exciting, isn't it? Knowing that the three of us are putting a show on that we're really proud of for people who actually really like what we do. Yes. You also can't overplan because, in a sense, what our podcast is, it's conversation, and we can't completely rehearse conversation. No. So... We, we can only plan so much and then we're just going to have to turn up on the night. And and also some of it, because it is us, some of it, we enjoy the audience, don't we? We enjoy someone piping in with something they think about or suggestions on the top five or whatever it is. So Jack said that this podcast is about conversation. Ben, you told us that you have got a brilliant animal encounter. Ooh, I don't think it's brilliant. I don't think it's brilliant, but it's interesting. It's, I think it's a slight... We've all got dogs, haven't we, in our lives? Mm. So I think it's a conversation. Anyway, right. I'm with Star. We're out and about. We did Park, which was interesting. She's not sure about Park. She doesn't understand what rules are. On lead, off lead? She's always off lead in Park, because she come back really well. But there's balls flying around, there's other dogs, and other dogs are a bit nervous. Does she ever go for other dogs? No, but... So the the trouble people have is that they go, oh, she's so sweet, and they go, oh, sorry, you've got to be careful. of Their dog might be big, and go over to her. And I go, no, no, be all right, <laughs> be fine. And their dog can get a bit boisterous. Well, she'll turn around and tell them. She definitely wouldn't right, go okay. for a dog, but she won't be pushed around. She She knows what she likes. Anyway, so we took her to park, and then I thought, we did a bit of park, and I thought, do you know what? Go back to the woods. So it's me and her, and there's track. There's a track. And you're coming back from the woods. Now, the track, really only one of you can pass. It's not an easy... You've got to stop to the side and pass. Mm. This isn't where that Norwegian cat had that face off. With <gasps> you, is it? He hasn't gone back there since. Oh, my word, I haven't told you. You've seen it again? I've seen it again. It was on the fence and it just stood there. We was with start, it was on the fence looking at us, and I think it had killed a bird. Cats kill birds all the time. But this one had killed a vulture. <laughs> it's like yeah. a heron. <laughs> it was sort of spying this bird. There's a bird over by in the field and the bird didn't look like it was moving and the cat uh, was just I was on top. Was on top. It was one of those moments I was seeing live in the wild. It's a big number, but I was like, come on, Star, don't look. And the cat's like, yeah, you'll get it next price. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so creepy. So you're on a single file track. We're on a single file track, right. So we've got a dog off. We've got Coco. Didn't, I've never met this dog before, but the dog was called Coco. The lad was going, come on, Coco. <laughs> I'm like, funny. So we've got Coco off a lead. Then we've got this greyhound in the middle. Then we've got Star. Now, Star will go, come here, she'll just follow me with a chew, Mm. whatever. Coco's all over the place. Coco's in the wood all over the place. He's walking. But this little greyhound dog is a puppy. It's like a mix, and it's barking, but it's, like, up for a bit of, you know, a play. I get walking. Coco goes past. Star comes up, and she's on the... she, She puts the dog on the lead, so I thought, I'll put Star on the lead. Maybe it's a bit nervous and whatever. And I get up closer to this woman, and she's really upset. She's like almost crying. I'm like, oh, are you okay? She went, well, I've just just been to the park. We went to the park and we were shouted at. I said, what do you mean you were shouted at? Well, the dog's a puppy and it loves to play in it. So, you know, when they do that play bark, it's not like an aggressive bark. Like a yap, like like talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it did it to this red setter and the woman tore her apart. Put your dog on a lead your dog shouldn't be off the lead and whatever and the woman so we had this meeting in the middle of the forest and i went oh we had to have a little five minutes did you give her a hug 
Well, I didn't go that far. But I said, well, let's let them off the lead now mm. and they can have a little play around. Star be great. And they had a little play and it was barking, it was enjoying it. She said, I just, I'm too nervous to go to the parks. I've just got to uh. go to the woods now. I was like, oh. What are you like with random strangers, Jack? Because obviously Ben there has just give us a tale of how he's good in those sort of conversations. I know that I'm not good. And I've seen Ben, be, like, I've been in the car with Ben and Ben has pulled the car over next to someone to tell him that he really likes the hair colour. <laughs> I can't do that. Like, it, I panic. I'm not, I'm not known for doing that. But I've got the shades on, haven't I? Afterwards, I'm always like, oh, I should have done that because that's a really nice thing to do. He's approachable, though, because he gives eye contact, doesn't he? Love it. Do you ever put yourself in a situation and then... Get yourself out of it because, like, you, you're anxious or you, you're panicking or you're stressed, and then you think, "Oh, I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have." So, just- hang on. So, your animal encounter is you were looking after this woman who were upset because she'd been told off because her dog were barking. Well, there's obviously the huge puma-like cat that's killed a bird <laughs> and is looking yeah. at me like, "Going, you're next, Price." I mean, that cat. I think that cat literally looks at me like, "Eventually, one day, you'll be on your own." You won't have that dog, yeah. and when you're yeah. on your own, I'm going to get you. Because yeah. she's not going to muck around with stars, stars but I, I'm, I could have you. That's what the cat said. Yeah. It'd be a right documentary, wouldn't it? Whatever happened to actor Ben Price? Yeah, well, we saw him on the track. Then the Norwegian forest cat got him. So the second animal encounter was, what do you feel like... If you've got a dog, so you must get this a lot with your dogs. Oh, okay. I see. And a dog barks or it gets a bit tense between dogs or another owner has a go at you. Where are you on that? I can completely see both sides in a way. Your dog has to be on a lead. But then also, if the time's right and you can take the dog off the lead, you can take the dog off the lead. However, if that dog starts barking and starts having a go at other dogs, the owner's in the wrong. It's the gauntlet you run, taking the dog off the lead to let the dog go and have a bit more of a freedom play, fine. But as soon as it gets out of line, you're 100% to blame because your dog's off the lead. Once, this like year, this must have been like 10 years ago, like when I was a really little kid, the lad who used to run the creek club before me, there was a dog on field, yeah? And he's gone as Mickey's gone, Oi! Can't they read? Look at the sign! And the sign says... Please keep dogs off the field. And, you, and this lad just goes back to him, classic Yorkshire, classic cats, goes, hey, I can read, but my dog can't, and just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> so Friday, big day, one, big day of TV, because we had obviously, this morning we're at Coronation Street, and in the morning I'm on Jeremy Vine. So it, it was kind of a pre-record. And as I'm on Jeremy Vine, Ben, you'll love this. Just just on, and it, it, it's a panel, and then I was on the Zoom. So I'm on this section, it's like 20 minutes long. So it's my face on a big screen, like joining the panel, basically, talking telly. I was talking about the podcast, I was talking about The Lion King, etc. This woman starts having a nosebleed. Mid-Zoom? No, she's, she's a panellist, she's on the live, show. Live, live. Oh. So she starts having a nosebleed, blood dripping everywhere, I can't hold it in. I'm laughing. <laughs> I mean, what, what am I meant to do? So I'm on the Zoom screen laughing. And then Jeremy's Vine's trying to carry on. And Jeremy Vine goes, why don't you just clear the set? Just clear the set. And then she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, oh, ah, ah, I can't, I can't. I've broke my foot. <laughs> Jeremy's like, what? what? Went, I've what? broke my foot. Where, where are my crutches? Where are my crutches? So I'm gone. I'm on this Zoom laughing my head off like i can't get my head around what what's going on with this woman she can't get offset she can't get offset because she's broke because she's broke her foot and she's having a nosebleed all over a white top <laughs> <laughs> and what time's this like half past eight, half eight yeah. <laughs> but yeah anyway jack so after i've done jeremy vine and had the nosebleed yeah. that that just shows me how live tv can go and then we headed to this morning yeah for the coronation street takeover which was good which was fine yeah and you were a you were a prime feature yeah I, they wanted me to well because i met prince charles when he first arrived in king I, charles 20 odd years ago king charles sorry yeah so they wanted to make reference to that and they had clips of that and everything so that's why i had 
like a bit of interview. Good photo of you and T. Yeah, good photo of it me It was. And when it came down, when, when it, it came, came down. down. We were in the green Wasn't room. It good? But it, it's proper life, as in, it, 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 it was a great show. It was a great event. It, really, it was fun to be part of. But it hammered it down, and it was being filmed outside. And luckily, we'd both been released for a little bit, hadn't we? All three of us were in the green room. But they were trying to get me back out And we were watching it on TV. And I was TV. like, yeah, 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 I'm going out in a minute. I'm just looking at that big fucking black cloud that's coming over. Bouncing. The keys was... Yeah. The water level was rising as yeah. we were watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fully, coming inside. Fully ways. came down. Red flag. Red flag on the keys. Yeah. <laughs> get off the water. Get off the water. Even wa- that swan was like, I've had this. Off. But yeah, great fun. It was one of them random days at work, wasn't it? It was a random day, but I mean, we had three units filming that day, which means, what do, what are units then? So, I mean, that's eight, 12 episodes we were filming that day, isn't it? Yeah. As well as... A live production ITV on top this of morning it. had come up, yeah, for a live production. So the other thing we did with our coronation weekend was the three of us all sat down separately to watch Licorice Pizza for this week's episode. Ben, it's your film choice, which means you get to give us a synopsis. Uh, Licorice Pizza. Alana Kane and Gary Valentine fall in love and muck around in the San Fernando Valley in 1973. What do you think, Jack? Mm, I think that gives a false sense of the plot, actually. (laughs) Why? What do you mean? Hold on, I haven't turned around and gone... The, the the creepiest love story ever. I think told. it's sort of a young boy's fascination with an older woman growing up in the seventies in is it like LA, California? Yeah, the valley, yeah. Cobra Kai territory, innit? Yeah. I think it's not just so much a rom com. Oh, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. I don't think it's just built on his fascination for her. Because it's what it's based on a true guy, isn't it? I know, yeah. Gary Valentine, great name, by great the way. Name. First off, what a name. Well, you put Valentine with anything and it goes. Colson Valentine. Maybe not that. Philip Seymour, no, Colson Valentine. <laughs> God, two made-up names? Um, <laughs> Cooper Hoffman, son of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Jack, your girlfriend is a big fan of the band, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Um, Haim. Haim. Um, yeah. So they're all in it, all the sisters, aren't they? All the sisters are in it, and they all play sisters. Well, they all know Paul Thomas Anderson. Fun fact, it's also kind of based on the Heim band's mother, Donna Heim. She was Paul Thomas Anderson's primary school teacher in real life. And when he was growing up at school, he had a bit of a crush on her. He fancied Donna Heim. Who's in the film? Who's in the film? Yeah, yeah. Who's the... Yeah. Is she Gary Valentine's mum? No. You know when they're having the meal? All three girls with the new boyfriend. Yeah. So it's a mum and dad. That's that's, that's their parents. Sister. It's a mum and yeah, dad. Yeah, real, real life. Dad's good. Dad's brilliant. Very good. Dad's brilliant. And yeah, so it's kind of mixed with that story. And it's also kind of based on Gary Goatsman, who was a, a movie producer, who was um, like a bit of a, um, a child actor. And as he was making the transition from child actor to what he wanted to do in life, which he eventually became a movie producer, he did sell waterbeds in downtown LA. And he also had like a pinball machine like arcade. So they're all sort of like stories and scenarios. Loosely based on. Yeah, that he sort of encountered. And yeah, he also had a bit of a a crush on the Heim. Mother. Yeah, mother. So, second time I watched this, what about you two? Same, same, second. I've seen it a few, I think third or fourth, I think. My brother lives very, very close to where it's all set. So he used to live in Sherman Oaks, which is what he says. Now my brother's moved to Studio City. But the valley in the 70s was very different. So the valley was like, you weren't in Hollywood. You weren't in West Hollywood. You were in the valley. It was sort of seen as like not as good like oh you're in the because the valley is massive so there was a real thing about being in the valley 
And then my brother said that loads of the places, like the high school and the bar and whatever, they haven't changed. I think the bar's gone now, but the loads of the other places are still there. So it is his childhood, it's poor Thomas Anderson's childhood. Did you see that fact about the radio station that they um, did, what is it, the, the radio interviewing? I think they go on the radio or something at some point in the film. That radio station, that 70s radio station, does look like that now, today. And they actually were able to record in there because although the radio station and all the the bits are something, what, what you can record in there, the building is not allowed to be changed. So whoever owns the building won't change whatever's in the building. So that's exactly what it looks like now. <laughs> so it hasn't been decorated or anything since the 70s. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so that's how they were able to film in a building somewhere in LA. Oh, it still looks yeah, like yeah. the 70s. Yeah. So when this film came out, which it was kind of running at the cinema this time last year, wasn't it? At 21. 21, yeah. It kind of divided opinion because of, obviously, the context of the story, which is, you know, it's, it's a love story between an old woman and a younger man. She is 25, he is 15. Now, one thing that I don't quite understand is they're both brilliant, yeah? But I almost think it's badly casted. In what way? I think they're both brilliant, as in they're both unbelievable performances, but I, I don't think it doesn't show that age gap. You don't think he looks 15? No. And I don't think she looks 25 compared to him. But she's not. She's actually 28 in the film. She's 31 now, I think. She's 31. I, I know what you're saying, because he's only... I think he probably would have been... About 17, maybe. 17 when he filmed it, and she must have been 26, 27. I think he's kept it 28, reasonably yes. close to their age. I don't think it's about that. I think the age difference and the age gap that the actors actually were is genuine. I think there is like 10 years between them, but I think he's moved it further back to make it so further out of reach. So if he was 18 and she was 28, it would have been more socially acceptable yeah. than 15 to 25. I think that's why he's probably moved it back. But also it's to give, I think it was to give the feeling that Gary Valentine was a kid because he'd grown up being having such a big career a young career by the time he got to 15 he was already this guy who was trying pinballs waterbeds this so that was the feeling and that she was working for that school photographer at the top so I think that it was to get that feeling that Gary was this kind of as you could be in that time in LA it all felt like... Because you've got to remember, everything they're seeing is the business. In the 70s, yeah. it's all business, yeah. still is. So he was massive and he'd made his own money and his mum was his publicist. So it was to get that feeling that he was old beyond his years, I think. Yeah, that's the bit is it didn't... You know, he was too mature. But that's the point. But you were quite mature though, Coles, when you, even when you were like 18. Yeah, 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 completely. I, I, I was very similar to him. Yeah, so why are you saying it, you won't believe? Are you trying to say there's no one else like you in the world? No, no, I just didn't. didn't. <laughs> Colson Valentine. I don't know. I, it's really weird, this one, because when I watched this film the first time round, I really liked it. And then this time round, I thought it were a bit different. That beginning, you know, when he's sort of like asking her out on a date in the line. In the queue. In yeah. the queue. That's sort of true as well. He was in LA and he was writing this film and trying to come up with an idea for this film. And he'd it, it sort of got writer's block and it had stopped. And he saw this school and a queue for like high school things. And he was walking past and he saw one student in the line trying to hit on a staff member. So it's like a 15-year-old kid, 14-year-old kid, trying to hit on a staff member who's like 20-odd, like nearly 30. And obviously she's like, she's like, you know, shooing him away type thing. But he just thought, oh God, what an interesting situation it would be if a, a, a young kid was to ask out someone who's like over 10 years older than them on a date and they actually turned up to the date. Wouldn't that be like a fascinating story. And then he put up, 
that story in with all these other stories he'd heard of about downtown LA in the seventies. And then the, all the dots kind of like connected up and he was like, maybe there's a film there. And he completely binned his idea that he was working on with this film because he couldn't get the ideas and everything started to come to the service on this other film. And he was like, Oh, I'll do that one then. And I'll shelve the other one. So do you think he's meant to, be that kind of old beyond his time sort of character yeah that's the whole point well the whole point is straight away he's got his own money so when he goes to the bar and he goes well that's my regular bar <laughs> and they go to coax he knows everyone and then the guy always gives him the same table so yeah, it's a bit yeah, like yeah. gary valentine is the 25 year old of his time yeah he's that guy he's the he's the guy who got fame on i love lucy because they show those kids don't they I mean, there's so many things in it. He's a kid. He's employed as a kid. I love when he hits her over head with that fucking pillar on stage. On stage. <laughs> yeah. And she, goes, <laughs> and she goes like, cut the shit, Valentine. <laughs> Stop me. And then you see, I mean, what's so interesting is, I suppose, is that you see his casting has changed. He's become yeah. too old for his casting. And then he's gone, oh, fuck. My acting career could be over. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to... Because that's classic LA. You were the hot shit. Like Lance, when he gives it the beans on the plane, doesn't he? I'm the mm. hot shit. I'm, f- I'm flying business. Yeah. What's it like back here? Did you did you get the steak back here? Yeah. And then they do that interview and they go, you know, what have you been up to? And Lance says, I've done the guest part in this and guest on that. And Gary just goes three beavers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, Gary. He's outgrown it. You start to see that entrepreneur kind of side of him, I suppose, that Gary has that, like, he's old, way beyond, old beyond his years. And she says it when she meets him, I'm not going out with you. No way. But there's something about him. And actually, she's in a dead-end job, isn't she? Kind of leads me on nicely to my next question when you talk about him being an entrepreneur. Would you buy a waterbed? Probably at the time, yeah. They were massive at the time. Would you have one now? No, no, I'd feel sick. They were massive at the oh, time. Oh, I think they look brilliant. They're not. Yeah, you'd have one. I'd want to try one. Yeah, you feel constantly sick. Move over and you're giving it the full wave. <laughs> but in the 70s, <sighs> it was a big thing. Imagine like, what what would it be like? The NASA mattress you've got. Yeah. It's yeah. like the new thing. It's going to be amazing. It's like he says, you know. Best night's sleep ever. Yeah. People are going to want to shag you on them. That's what they sort of like sold yeah. them, didn't they? You know, black satin sheets and your waterbed. Yeah. And actually, it was a crap idea that used to burst. But that's what I love about because that's Leonardo DiCaprio's dad who's the yeah, waterbed I salesman. Saw that. <laughs> Isn't that fucking great? He actually fucking did that. Yeah. In the 70s. Yes. He actually did that shit in the 70s. Yes. Told them. So Paul Thomas Anderson's known that and got him in to do it. It's brilliant, isn't it? And what I love is it's like the best stories of where I grew up and it just happens yeah. to be LA. The most fucking incredible stories of the 70s, and I'm writing them all down, like Sean Penn playing... You know, he's playing Alan Holden. William Holden. Jack Holden. William, William Holden, Holden, that's it. Or is it Jack yeah. Holden? Jack, he's Jack, but it's William Holden, the real guy. And then Tom Waits burns the shit out of the golf course and he jumps out on a motorbike. It obviously fucking happened. What happened is, the story of that and the motorbike is Evil Knievel was going to try and redo, recreate a jump. So he went out to this golf course type thing, but he'd been drinking in the bar, and before he did the jump, he came off the fucking bike and crashed. Brilliant. That's what that story is. I love the bit on the stunt when he he calls, cameras calls the shot, slates yeah, it, know, and obviously yeah. no one's there. He's just <laughs> no there. one's there. And it's like all he knows. The only way I know to do this is the Hollywood way. Yeah. And he's like, chalk it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My brother said, no matter where you are, wherever you live or wherever you are, there will be a story about that shop you're in or your next door neighbour will have been the producer on X. On something, yeah. yeah. yeah and they'll go, oh, go and speak to the, the personal assistant of Seinfeld. Or, yeah, they used that bar in Battlestar Galactica. Then it burned down and they used it in, he said, it, the whole town. Well, it's like living in a set. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what was so I thought was so brilliant about 
that they just couldn't help and the way the guy who owns the bar went yeah I'll get some chairs let's burn them not going what <laughs> <laughs> like yeah great idea I think Paul Thomas Anderson does a brilliant job of framing and his use of like bright lights and you know neon lights it, I everything it looks very very it's it's an aesthetically pleasing film isn't it yeah he's the cinema they shot it on 35 he wanted to use film he's credited as one of the cinematographers yeah he used old lenses he wanted to give it that feel and also the other feel he really gets is there's no fucking phones so that's why they're running everywhere yeah they have to get to the place yeah just delve into more, Ben, there, about the difference between shooting on film and not shooting on film. So, film is a burnt image. You're burning it onto something, onto celluloid, through through lens. Through the lens, the light is captured and burnt onto film. Digital is captured differently. And if you want to give it that 70s foot, yeah, you can do it, but there's a sort of group of filmmakers that are trying to tarantino shoots on film you, i don't think you can properly ever re- replicate w- what that sense of seeing a film negative is compared with a digital negative so all of your blockbusters your marvels everything's all going to be on digital they're going to be able to manipulate that image but on a film image whatever he's shooting that is what he's shooting however you light it is how it's going to come out that's it. Whereas in a digital image, you can change that a lot. So there's sometimes if you noticed it was dark, she'd walk into a bit of a room and it would be dark. Yeah. You know, a digital image, you could lift that up, maybe make it a bit lighter. But he wanted to give it that special feeling of, I think, of his childhood, of films of the 70s and 80s. There's, there's no room for error in a way, doing it on film. And also you get a real sense of, I've achieved that light rather than I've done achieve that light in an editing suite. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it, I think if you want to give everyone the sense of it's not going to be, not necessarily, it, it, it's not going to be 35 takes and don't worry, we can do this and this. And you're editing film, which is a much harder process as well. And, you know, and, and then I think what he does amazingly is weave all, like the fucking bit where they go and sell a bed to Barbara Streisand's boyfriend and then he's fucking saying Streisand and he thinks he's taking the piss. You know, they didn't know it was going to be Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Oh, didn't they? No. So on that scene, Cooper Hoffman and uh, Alana Heim. Heim. No, it's Heim. <laughs> you've had this about three times. I've you had have. this, yeah. Where he said it, you've corrected Heim. him yeah. and he's like, slide. And do you know it's... now he's gone? Do you know what price? Oh, hold Fuck on, hold you. on. You done. can't start having a pop it about pron- pronunciation. Not, it's not me. It's Jack. I'll let you Pronun- two have it out. Pronunciation. I'll, let you, I'll let you two have it out. It's spelled Haim, H-A-I-M, but it's pronounced Heim. Anyway, they're outside and Paul Thomas Anderson's told them, he says, right, you're coming to sell a waterbed to some guy who's famous, all right? He's going to come out and he's going to speak to the scene. They're like, but where's the script? And they're like, don't worry, we'll get it together. We're just getting the amendments and everything now. Stand in these positions. They're like, okay. That's when they're out on the driveway. Yeah. They didn't know, but he's basically said, roll cameras. Bradley Cooper has walked out in that white fucking outfit (laughs) and he's just marched over to them both and he's gone, all right, who's in charge here? Like that. So he turns around, does Cooper Hoffman, he's like, me. And he's like, right, okay, you, yeah, I don't want any shit. You you fuck up my house and I'm going to come after you and all your family. He's like, do you know who I am? And he done, so he just goes, yeah. And he's like, do you know who my girlfriend is? Yeah. I like you. Yeah. You remind me of me. Yeah. I like that. And then you know when they're in the truck? <laughs> yeah. They're in the truck and they've just seen his car or something. They've just fucked up his house basically, haven't they? With the water. Yeah. yeah. They're driving down the hill and then he comes walking towards them, yeah? So he gets in the van. All that is Adlib because all that's Bradley Cooper. All that is him just trying to guess how old. And he's going, are you two going out? Are you two boyfriend, girlfriend, and all this? And he's like, how old are you? And if you listen, she says 28. But at the beginning of the film, she tells Cooper Hoffman she's 25. 25. Now, I picked up on that she said 28. And then she went, I mean, 25. 
And that's because she tells she's so nervous. She told Bradley Cooper her real age because it's not scripted. She just went twenty eight and then went up. I, I mean twenty five. And when he said, when, um, when are you born? She said, oh, December. And he's like, December what? And she gave her real birthday. So December 15th <laughs> is when she's born. She's 28. And he goes on about the star yeah. signs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because very she just good. said her actual birthday because she panicked and didn't know what to say. And she was so nervous about working with him. But yeah, she did all... leans the- over and... Yeah, exactly. She's no idea what's got... But she's driving that truck down the hill. She's driving it properly. That's not got power steering. No, no. No, but it's brilliant. She's driving the truck. And then there actually was an oil crisis in the States, so people did run out of petrol. That fucking scene where he gets his lighter out and he goes, give me the nozzle, and he gets his lighter out. Yeah. It's like, just mental. Such an unhinged character. And then just as they smash up the Ferrari, he's got to go down the hill and the the truck runs out of fuel. I just thought, that's fucking brilliant. Because you're shitting yourself. You're thinking he's going to come back and go fucking loopy. But he's real. That character's real, John Peters. Then she then reverses the truck in neutral down a hill. Mm. Yeah. Which she actually did. She actually did. It's probably another fabled kind of LA story. Mm. Where someone goes, yeah, they ran out of petrol and they, they had to freewheeler all the way down because it is all hills when my brother lives it's all hills from west hollywood up to the hollywood sign is just snaking roads in it yeah they've obviously gone into hollywood to do the water but because my brother said that's another thing is people from hollywood wouldn't go over into the valley so that's why he can flood their water their house because he thinks i'll never see you again you're never coming over to the valley paul thomas anderson told the story what his plans were of John Peters in the film to John Peters in real life. Oh, yeah. And he was, like, wanting to know what his opinion was. What would he do in this situation? He said, I don't think I would have been as hard and as harsh to Gary Valentine. I don't think I would have been that nasty to him in the beginning. But I definitely would have hit on her 100%. (laughs) (laughs) just so we're all clear that bit you got exactly right yeah one thing i I did like that i thought was used really well in this film is like quite a lot of steady cam tracking shots of you know bringing movement whether he be Running, walking, taking him through busy crowds. There's a lot of one-shot movements, isn't there, of walking through busy places, whether it be when he's at the like sales convention, whether it be him walking down the street into the, you know, through the school, the opening shot. I think what he wanted to give that feeling was, is that the 70s was mixed with that. You go to a public phone, you ring the house, and then you're running everywhere. There's always movement. Because to get round LA and to get round the valley, you're going to be on a bike or you're going to get in someone else's car or you're going to have to run to find them. So that he gave that really... It's really lovely when he was cutting between them all running for each other all the time. The uh, the guy who plays... You know, there's this whole subsection where she goes... She realises she doesn't want to be with Gary Valentine and she wants to go into politics. And the politician... He's the director. Him and his brother did Uncut Gems. They directed Uncut Gems. It's Benny Safdie. So that was brilliant. I mean, that's a whole subplot. And he's a big director. So he just got his mate to play it. But he did Uncut Gems. So it's like got sort of got his mates in as well. But I love that bit as well. That kind of subsection plot where she tries well, to get... the sort of references to Taxi Driver, isn't there? With that journalist who's hanging outside... Yeah, yeah the, the sort of yeah. political campaign guy's sort of like office and he's obviously got a bit of a scoop inside information that he's gay and they're going to obviously like release the story that's the vibe i got anyway yeah yeah and then yeah. obviously he turns up at the restaurant with his friend and sees the journalist and then that's when he rings her as like the decoy doesn't it i really liked that scene although it was sort of it's over and done with and it's a coffin of spit and it's nothing but I really felt for that guy, you know, for the boyfriend of the guy. I did. And he's, and he's sort of like, what? I thought it was a very honest scene. Yeah, yeah. It could have been not on it. That's what I yeah. loved about the film, is the interactions were honest. Mm. And I felt, mm. I felt a lot of pain for both of them. When he walks her home and he's like, um, bless you, bless you, Alana, you're a really nice person. 
and then he's like, have you got a boyfriend? She's like, no, I don't know. And he's like, why? And she's like, I don't know. And he just says, is he a shit? And she says, yeah. And he goes, they all are, aren't they? And she's like, yeah. And then everybody else watching it is like, yeah, they're shits, but what what are you going to do? And then they do that great bit where they've got to run to find each other. Got to run to each other. Got to run. There's no phones, and he's open a pinball. But I, yeah, I agree, Jack. I really loved. I thought that scene was very, very beautifully measured, and had a political, had something in it as well, a statement in it. Mm. Right. Well, let's take a quick break there, then, and we'll come back and we will give our ratings for Licorice Pizza. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Back from the break. Ratings time. Ben, it is your film, so you start us off. I really love this film. I don't think it's a 10, it's not up there, but I think what he's done and captured in a film is really, really quite hard to do. He's got a real lightness. He's got some mad stories in there. He's got some beautiful performances. I just thought it was a real, I don't know, it was a film where you don't, you don't, it takes a real confident director to fit that many things in and still play a through line of being in LA, of still playing a through line of a romance that isn't one. I mean, it isn't one for the whole film to the end. Uh, I loved the performances. I thought they were extremely real. And, yeah, I just thought as a film, it just reminded me so much of, like, what it must have been like. Amazing growing up in the 70s in that kind of, in that way. And I thought Cooper was really brilliant in it. And I don't think many people would have got the money to make it. I think he's a director that can make that kind of film. Because it's not an obvious box office. I don't think it did very well at the box office. No, I think it, it's a, it costs 40 and it forty million, and it only made thirty five million, so it made a loss of five million. It was a big Oscar nom, wasn't it? It got a few Oscar noms, yeah. Yeah. yeah did but... did Cooper Hoffman not? Did he win? No. no. Did it not win any? I don't know. Don't think so. I don't think it is that kind of film to win. But I just thought, like you were saying, the look of the film, the shots, it felt like old Hollywood. I just think. And then he managed in that to not make it completely trite. So there was still so... Um, I can't go halves or whatever. So You can. That's just a rule you... No, I've made, because you would do 7.224. Um, I think <laughs> I would have... If you, if you start halving, do you think I'm going to half my half? Yeah, you'd go to yeah. infinity. <laughs> it would get so small, you'd go 9.986. Um, so I'm going to go... It's either. I'm going to go eight. You can go point five. So I thought you said you were doing point. No, five. I'm not doing that this series. I'm going to go eight. It's either. A, it was probably about seven point five ish, but I, d- I think it's better than a seven. Jackie P. 
Uh, yeah, there was one more bit of trivia that I just wanted to get in that I didn't have time to get in. You're obviously here. proud of this because you got a smile on your it face. It is a good one. It is a good one. What strikes me as Paul Thomas Anderson seems like a really, really cool director and someone that you could really easily get on and work, have a really good working relationship with. Oh, his wife's the casting director. Oh, really? You know when Gary has to do that advert? Yeah. Oh, in and the she's film. looking a bit like he's... Yeah, and she looks like he's a bit old. Yeah. his wife and the costume don't fit uh, that that yeah. that is very that gave me flashbacks of child actor yeah like when you you used to walk in the room and they go oh colson oh wow oh, you're huge so nice. <laughs> haven't yeah. you grown <laughs> yeah i used to wear the same t-shirt with each cast and director so i had a t-shirt that i used to wear for hubbard a t-shirt that I used to wear for gold and etc 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 so I kind of always look the same. Don't know why. Just did. That was my thing. Yeah. Didn't fucking ah, work. T-shirt did it? guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, didn't you have that on the last time? Uh, yeah. So what was your fact, Jack? No. Basically, you know the you know the bit where um, she shows him her breasts. Yeah. The scene where she shows him her breasts. Okay. So that scene's coming up, and um, she's meant to. She slaps him. Yeah. So he shows. She shows the breasts and then he says can i touch him and she slaps him across the face now he wasn't expecting it right she just did it in the take and his reaction was really good but they had to go again for technical reasons right so they went oh we're going to do it again that was great that was great do it exactly the same but this time trying to get the same thing he was so apprehensive of of the of the slap he was expecting the slap and paul thomas anderson could tell so he's like, no, no, I know you're expecting it now. Get it out of your head, get it out of your head. Anyhow, they're going a few takes, and he couldn't. So he's still noticing that he was expecting this slap. He says, right, I'm going to change the scene. You ask to see her breasts. She says no. And what you end up doing is you both hug, okay? And you have a close, intimate hug, and that's the end of the scene. No slap. So she went, right, okay, rehearse the hug. Great, works, fantastic. Roll camera. Just before they went action, he went up to a line of ham and he went, fuck all that, slap him, right? Anyway, <laughs> <Fuck all that. laughs> he he's gonna have it in his he's gonna have it in his head now. He's expecting a fucking hug and just fucking slap him. So they went action. So then he he goes, Can I touch your breasts? Go into an embrace for a hug and she fucking slaps him. <laughs> so that's the take. I thought that's fucking genius. As that's a director, that's great. genius. You can't get something, change it, and then subtly go back and change it the other way so that you get the I same. I mean it thing. must have been a great set to be on. But that that girl the the band as well like all of her sisters that is literally just their relationship just how they all are and like act with each other and they all used to babysit cooper um hoffman as a kid oh did they because because they would go because they've had a, a relationship with paul thomas anderson all their life yeah because their mum used to teach him at school right and he's all, all all directed their music videos paul thomas anderson directs all their music videos so they used to always just go over to his house to chill out. And while they were over there, Philip Seymour Hoffman was over there talking about a film with Paul Thomas Anderson. And he brought his son along, who was like nine year old. So they used to babysit him at Paul Thomas Anderson's house when Paul Thomas Anderson was working on a film with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, wow. Wow. So when he, when he told them about the idea for the film, they went, great, but who's going to be Gary Valentine? He went, I can't find anyone. Yeah. And then he said, what about, go with me, what about Cooper, who you used to babysit? And they went, fucking great. Fucking great. Oh, Let's God, do it. that's brilliant. So he's just got all of his mates. How did he pick which sister? Because she was the naturally one better actor i think she was the one who had a bit more of an interest in the acting and in the music videos she's really good yeah she's really good because she immediately you know where what she's thinking she's really good but yeah i loved it it had elements of harry met sally even like at the end you know when they're running towards each other and he falls over yeah yeah so i'm i think i'm with you ben i think i'm gonna go eight i think I didn't get that emotional pull that I do from, like, a rom-com. But then I suppose it isn't that until the end, in a way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, but I think it's good. Mad stories. I'm really pleased he made it. Difficult to make as well with the times and everything with COVID, because I think it got stopped, didn't it? 
Yeah. But really good. It looks like they had great fun making it. Great cast. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go eight as well. I mean, when Sean Penn's on that motorbike, you see he's absolutely loving it. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Like I said, Brilliant. first time I watched it, I, I I did really like it. I feel like on the second rewatch, I kind of I, I missed something, and I think it was it was it was a, it's a story that I kind of lose a little bit with. I, I like the I like the little break offs. I like the um, characters. You like Gary Valentine. You like Bradley Cooper. I think it looks great. I really like the style. You feel like you're watching something. It, it you know it kind of. It it, it, it fantasises that 1970s Hollywood in America. But I just feel like the story probably did just lack something from it, and I don't I know I think that's what. the point, though. I don't know if there is one, really, in a way. That's yeah. the point. It's a bit too all over the place for me. Okay. I suppose it's, it's a different way of viewing film. It's a journey of the time through their lives. Yeah. It's not it's not a beginning middle end as no. such. That's the whole no. point. It's it's like a dream state of the 70s of Gary's life. I might have liked it more if it was a dream state of like the early 2000, you know, if it was something that I could maybe relate to more. I I, I just don't know, but I'm going to go 6.5 which you're going to feel is <sighs> very harsh. Oof. I I I just I just don't I just don't know. I just yeah. don't know. Clearly don't. 6.5 6.5 that's ben, shit you said it was a fucking 7.5 it's only one off now hold on hold on I didn't give it that I gave it an 8 I'm just walking about 6.5 that's fucking horrible look you win some you lose some what do you mean it's not it's a winning not, but I mean that's it. I haven't lost anything I've just eaten a sandwich full of Mr. Turd Good night, Mr. Ted. <laughs> on there. Six. Hold on. What did you say? Six point five. Six point five. You gave blended six point four. You gave over the hedge six. I, I, look, I, I've I've said that you know I did I didn't like the story, and I need story. It's the films I watch. I require story. <laughs> Do you? Fuck? We watched over the edge, you fucker. Twenty-two point five. You require story, <laughs> fucking Papadopoulos <laughs> and son. We bought the zoo. I require story, Ben. It's how I work. It's how I, mean, I require God. the big stories. I require someone trying to buy a chip shop. <laughs> <laughs> 22.5 take it or leave it I think we'll you should take it take. oh yeah I tell you what if you're on your way to the live show now do you not think 22.5 is fair to take it's a big shit pie I it's don't think it is because if no You've because gone what's shitty. the difference if you if I went 23.5 it's above inside out same as Gone Girl it, it stand? stands what did you say it stands below 22.5 inside out above monster just above monster yeah it's a above mon- monster. monster might be a little bit better actually anyway um, it's time for Double Jack now to kind of bring back some sense of calm and order yep because it's Jack's hidden gem and it is Jack's film choice okay hidden gem first now this is a good hidden gem <laughs> because this came out as in it, it, no, it's yeah. a good as in the rest of the shit <laughs> as in it's a good watch or it's actually hidden it's and both. a gem it is actually hidden actually and it is a gem, and it's one that you, you kind of should have seen. It came out five years ago, 2017. Um, it's a doc. It's over two hours. I think it's about two and a half hours long. So you can watch it in sections. It doesn't actually matter, but it's a one-off thing. It's on Sky Documentaries, so it's also on Now TV. It's Steven Spielberg doc, basically. Ah, yeah, Jane, Jane Danson put me on to this um, at work. She said, watch it. It's right up your street. It basically goes through Spielberg's career, but even before that, it talks about where he grew up, his mum and dad, his sisters, why he's a filmmaker, why he got into directing, um, how he started out filming television, filming Columbo and stuff like that, then making his first feature, going on to Jaws, and then obviously Spielberg that we know through the 80s with Indiana Jones, E.T., Goonies, moving on to Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List, all that. And it's literally just follows the full spectacle that is Spielberg. Uh, really interesting. And you just see how ahead of his time 
he was, but then also not. Also, you know, just taking ideas from other people as well and just putting them onto into his own uh, to make his own films. Um, really good watch. What's it called? Spielberg. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. Jack, you got two picks left in this series. Oof. Oosh. Oosh. Well, I can't think... I can't think what to watch, but I'm going to go big. I've been meaning to pick this for a while. Ben's going to say I'm chasing ratings. He's gonna you say are. I know you are. It's going to be something like The Shining or something. It's The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking what? You've chased those ratings so hard you've run into the back of them. <laughs> it's good the pick, I thought, good fuck, pick. I've not got anything. I, I, what have I got? I've, got, got? I've not got anything. I've looked at all the films. I've got nothing. I've got to go for a small film you might not have heard of it it's a hidden gem it's called The Shining it's a big film for you though isn't it Jack it's a film that it you, is a big you, film you know you love I thought you would have left that for the end no I mean it's li- li- literally I've not I mean you just, I, I only found out I was. it was my section like five minutes ago so I've ju- I'll just go that I'll go that so next week we're watching The Shining you might be joining us tonight where we're talking all things Lion King or you might want more So Cinema Club and you might be kicking yourself not to have made the trip over to Manchester. And if you are kicking yourself and you do want more So Cinema Club, well, why don't you jump on board and get on our Patreon now? Patreon is our paid-for subscription platform where we have extra Sofa Cinema Club available for you. And as you know by now, if you sign up to Patreon, you get a job in our film studio slash cinema and, you know, the, these jobs are... Shit. Interesting. Are we, we're going to meet a load of people with shit jobs on the live show, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, definitely, yeah. And we, we're getting bigger as a company, as a brand, and we're <laughs> oh, constantly God. having to develop. And we, we're basically fighting to survive, aren't we, Jack? Yeah, we are fighting to survive. And when you're fighting survive, you need... <laughs> no, 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 I'm just, I'm just building some more backstory into All it. All right, okay. So we um, we have like a research department and we've kind of got someone who's into history, into almost historical artifacts as such. One, fi- one thing that we kind of have subletted it to, sub-branched it to, this is going to really annoy Ben because, you know, when you talk about making it so obvious. Um, so, yeah, chief coin collector... David Coyne. Shite. David Coyne is the chief coin collector. Head of finance, David Coyne. Nah. Head of finance. But head of finance is one, we've got one, and two, David Coyne can. If I say we're doing a 1920s period piece, he. He's all over it. Jack, it's money well spent on David Coyne, literally. Coins well spent. <laughs> That's terrible. And I, I've I've got another job as well. Just before I hand over to Jack, who Jack, Jack's going to do the other two. It, it's an interesting one. So summer's coming. Yeah, it's getting hotter. And as you know, we've got quite a big canteen. The canteen's putting a lot of stuff out. And yeah, summer, summer fruits. So now it's time to get someone to concentrate on the berries on our salad bar and fruit bar, taking the role of head of summer fruits is Cara Asbury. Head of summer fruits. Do you get it? Berry. Head of... I get it. Do you like that one? Right. Now he's left me the two most difficult, right? So these, these are tricky. These are ones that you can't think, ooh, easy job. But one is I need help with uh, picking my hidden gems because they're becoming few and far between and because they're difficult and I I can't think of up on my own, I need Oshlad to help me because they, them, he or her are the perfect person to help. Oshlad, you're head of hidden gems with me. So thank you for all your help. Next, we have... 
what have we got for this? Andrew Maguire. Um, I could do this one if you really want. Go on then. If you've got one. So, big role. Big, big role. We got one. Yeah, Go big on. role. Um, we we now, we're now doing quite a lot of work overseas and we're doing a lot of work in Rome. And because, because Lizzie McGuire, the movie, was so successful in Rome, our head of Rome office is going to Andrea McGuire. I mean, that is so... Oh, shit. What, head of Rome? The Emperor. <laughs> head of the Emperor. Head of Rome... <laughs> Julius Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> They'll all be saying, why has he never picked Liz Maguire for the podcast? And there's a reason why, isn't there? Andrew won't let us. No, do you not remember? <laughs> oh, no. We did it, it was our we pilot episode, it. wasn't it? Yeah. Liz Maguire, the yeah. movie. Yeah. Mm. Maybe it would be released to Patreons. Well, I think episode. it's probably been burnt and forgotten about that one. That's all we've got time for on this week's Sofa Cinema Club. If you come in tonight... I hope you have a wonderful night. I hope we're good. Yeah, so do I. I hope yeah. you enjoy it. So see you on Monday for Extraterrestrial and see you on Thursday where we're talking all things are shining and debriefing are live at the Lowry. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.